If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. back with another gripping must-listen episode of the Leading Learning Podcast. And this time around, we are continuing our efforts to talk to top leaders at organizations, the executives at the top of uh, trade and professional associations about learning and education and the role that those play in what their organizations do and and the value that they offer. And we were actually lucky to be able to talk to, unbelievably, a, a neighbor of ours here in lovely Carborough, North Carolina. That's right. We spoke with Tom Reiser. He's the executive director of the International Society on Thrombosis and Hemostasis. So, you know, just a neighbor down the street, but it's an international society. Um, He shared what they're doing and and thinking about in terms of education and learning. And uh, one thing he highlighted that that I think is very interesting that's a little more broad than kind of thinking members or even people in a profession is he talked about World Thrombosis Day that they have been... um, instrumental in helping to, to set up it that's coming up on October 13th so I also think that's a very interesting uh, perspective in terms of kind of educating the, the broader public about an issue that your association deals with. That, that is an interesting take on learning and, and education and uh, not surprising coming from a guy like Tom I've always thought he was he was just a, a really bright guy I remember um, we did some work with him a while back and he was the first one who reached out to us and I always consider that a good sign when it's actually an executive who reaches out first so I'll stop talking because we should just let uh, you and Tom have this conversation and and let people learn from Tom so let's get on with the interview this is Salisa Steele with the leading learning podcast and today I'm talking with Tom Reiser executive director of the International Society on Thrombosis and Hemostasis which is committed to advancing the understanding and prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of thrombotic and bleeding disorders. And he's a well-seasoned association executive, having led over 10 international medical professional associations in his career. So thank you for joining me today, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. And so I did a, a short little intro about you, Tom, but it would be great if you could tell uh, listeners a little bit more about yourself, if you'd like, and certainly more about ISTH in terms of who you serve and, and what you do for them. Yeah, um, I'm I'm very happy to. So, uh, yeah, as you introduced myself, uh, or me is my name is Tom Reiser. I'm the executive director of ISTH. I've had the pleasure and privilege of working in in different parts of the world with many different, primarily medical organizations, and uh, in various different disciplines. Um, so I'm I kind of have a feeling I've seen it all, and uh, and certainly this topic is particularly important. Learning um, and and education. I think for organizations like ours is a, is, a, is a top priority. The ISTH is, as you indicated, um, the leading international medical scientific professional society uh, in the bleeding and clotting field. And it, our focus is really to advance uh, the understanding, prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of uh, thrombotic and bleeding disorders. So that's primarily, but not exclusively, uh, related to thrombosis, uh, blood clots on the uh, clotting side, and hemophilia on the bleeding side. Our members are primarily physicians and scientists with an interest in bleeding and clotting disorders, uh, but we also count nurses and allied health professionals as our members. Um, the primary medical disciplines uh, represented in ISTH are um, hematology and, and cardiology. And uh, at present, we have about 4,000 members in, in over 80 countries. So we're, we're a truly global organization. 
Right, living living up to that international part of your title. Absolutely. And so, you know, because this is the Leading Learning Podcast and, you know, we want to talk some about learning and, and, you know, you and I had a little bit of exchange prior to the, the podcast about sort of, um, you know, education versus learning. So I was sort of saying, you know, education is a part of that, but I tend to think of learning as being bigger, you know, and if you think about education as maybe being um, kind of the more packaged, more sort of prescribed um, offerings, often kind of what um, professional development tends to encompass. But I think learning can also be broader than that. It can encompass things like uh, social and informal learning. And also I think that learning tends to put, as, as you were saying in our earlier exchange, kind of the emphasis on on you know doing you know what are you how are you actually applying or being engaged with that so you know with that kind of broad perspective of of learning you know of which education is only a part you know what do you see as the the role of learning and education in the work that ISTH does? Um, yeah, very good question. I, I guess with a with a with a mission like our organization has, and many particular medical organizations have, um, learning overall is critical. And and a lot of the things we we have done traditionally is actually very learning um, uh, focused, if you want. Um, with our conferences, our publications, the very traditional things organizations have brought people together and have connected them and and have um, basically contributed to the advancement of a, of a. Field. Now, more specifically, from an education point of view, I think that more focused approach towards uh, uh, providing different opportunities and platforms and and methods um, to to get education across and and offer education. That's probably something that has been uh, a bit more recent for organizations to really get into. So, for our organization, on the one hand, um, it is certainly to to take this entire learning environment that we have and that our members uh, strive for and need and provide certain platforms and tools um, so that our members can always stay up um, up to date and on the cusp of the latest developments. Um, and, and I think so there's a strong alignment between the importance of education and learning um, that our community wants and needs and what the society can and should provide. And at least that's how we try to, say, uh, to see that. Um, so uh, with this said, I think our society um, has it has increasingly uh, uh, been focused and made conscious decisions to expand the opportunities um, to connect the professionals in the field beyond the traditional things. Um, and by doing so, by providing these opportunities for exchange, for learning, for, for, for interactions, um, to help advance the individual careers and the scientific work of our uh, members and of our community, that ultimately advances the field. So I think it's, it's really learning um, at, it, at its best if, if it's done correctly. Right. And, and just to um, focus into on, on your organizational strategy, I mean, you know, what role do you see learning playing um, in that? So how central is it or you know, how does it support aspects of, of the overall organizational strategy? I, I think this is pretty simple and aligns um, totally with with our mission. If you want to advance the field, um, you need to advance the individual and the combined contributions to the field. Mm -hmm. So, meaning new scientific discovery and their translation into um, new insights, into new diagnostics, into new treatments. So, um, if we would 
do that and the, the mission that we talked about in the beginning, we would not be able to um, to achieve that. So the more we can do to provide the field with, with this in terms of knowledge creation, dissemination, um, connecting physicians, scientists, um, and, um, and, and help them actually learn together, um, if, if we wouldn't be able to do that, then we would not be able to um, fulfill our mission. So in, in, that, in, that, in that respect, um, it, it's very critical to what we do um, as an organization. Right. And I think that's true of a lot of associations where there, oh, yeah. there is the, that underlying educational kind of um, foundation for, for a lot of what they're all about and do. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and I think you touched on this a little bit in what you were saying about, because you were talking about both uh, individual learners and then also sort of just the field in general, you know, and I think that's very interesting, this idea of, you know, your your uh, associations and their potential role to not only um, improve what individuals know, but also to really move the dial in a particular um, uh, field or, or, or arena, and, and I think that is, is really interesting. So... You, you may have already, that, that may be your answer to this question, but do you have other goals or aspirations for kind of what you're trying to do as an organization with learning? I mean, are there, you know, is there a direction you'd like to go that you haven't quite gotten there yet or any, any other sort of um, you know, forward-thinking um, ideas for, for what you would like to try to have learning help you achieve as an organization? No, I think that's that's really it. I mean, one can obviously talk about the 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 more you know uh, the more logistic aspects of how to best do that and how to mm. to to know exactly what the needs are and and how you know who the audience is and and, and so on. And maybe we get to that in the discussion later. Um, but from a big picture point of view, I think the main aspect here as a society, um, our role is to really individually and collectively to find solutions to unsolved medical di diagnostic challenges and ultimately contribute to um, either preventing illness or, or better uh, treat an illness. So uh, if, if we can create an environment that, that allows to our individual contributors, our community, and therefore the field move in that direction, I think we have achieved our mission. That's great. And, and so how do you go about gauging the impact of, of the education and learning that you offer? I mean, do you, uh, you know, what, what impact would you like to see learning and education play? Um, and, and then, you know, how do you try to, to measure that? Oh, that's a, that's a really, really good question. Uh, I would say that at this point, at least, uh, it is a very short-term view that we're taking. And basically, we're, we are... Um, uh, we are aligning ourselves very much with with, with what uh, CME accreditation is is increasingly requiring anyway, and that is um, uh, is assess yourself or uh, ask the learner to assess how well um, a particular education program has met their needs or do things like self-assessments and self-testing mm -hmm. um, that that would would show you know has this had an impact uh, and and how did it go obviously there are things like how many people attended and where are they coming from and who are they and and is this the right target audience but I think the the holy grail to a certain degree is really the the more long-term systemic uh, uh, difference that you could potentially make uh, in um, clinical and laboratory practice, um, and and if you are able to do that and and ultimately assess it, then um, then you have really made a, a, a full contribution. 
for us at least that's still a bit far away um, but I know that this is probably ideally what has to be done yeah no I think that's uh, I, I agree with you it's it's fine to of course look at it you know attendance and the right audience and you have to do that but I, I think I completely agree where the, the future to me seems to be about really trying to see, okay, how is this being applied? What's the longer term impact? And, you know, because that is where you begin to influence not only individual learners, but the whole field. And then in the case of, you know, the, the patients in this case as well, and sort of uh, overall health in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, in what you're doing um, at ISTH or potentially at other associations before that, you know, what, ahas or, or insights have you had around learning and this could be something that's worked really well I also would welcome any thoughts you might have about something you know you tried that didn't work I think that can also be very powerful to, to hear yeah um, again huge uh, very very good question and and certainly something that almost every organization goes through in its um, uh, in its approach to learning and, and and education I think the things that we have really learned is we have to be extremely clear in the beginning why are we doing this mm. who is it for and what specific outcomes do we really want to see and that really dedicates everything from the selection of the faculty to the type of education um, to the medium that is utilized uh, to get education across or provide a learning environment for our community um, and um, that will also make it easier and, and and more beneficial for the learner to go into it and know exactly what's um, uh, what they can expect from it and, and how they will ultimately um, benefit. The other one is a very disciplined and structured approach to um, what is being offered. And what worked actually for us very well, and we rolled this out earlier this year, is we ident uh, we. Uh, established a core curriculum in our field, a clinical core curriculum, to really address the key competencies that somebody as a specialist in thrombosis and hemostasis should have in different levels. Mm -hmm. And and that has really helped us shape our own approach to uh, providing the appropriate learning environment. And there are certain things that we, we cover with a webcast from our meeting or a journal publication or a, a webinar uh, or it's a it's a dedicated e-learning course. So the, the modules are different, um, but it allows us to really look at the entire field, the entire learning need, if you want, um, and then very um, in a very structured way go about filling filling in this this core curriculum uh, with the appropriate um, educational um, materials and, and, and types of education. Um, now, we are only in the beginning of this, but it has given us a, a much better structured view on, on what we should be doing rather than saying, oh, I have an idea, let's just do this. And uh, um, you can do that, but it, it probably will not lead to a very um, uh, structured approach. No, I think that sounds fantastic. I think right having that that curriculum, which basically then serves as the map, you begin to see what you already have exactly. and how it fits in, and then you also it also then it lets you see where you might have gaps and know okay that's where we're going to put our our time and energy in developing new things to fill some of those those gaps or short up. Now the other thing that I want to say is, and this is this is also critical. I think a disciplined approach is also very important here, uh, because obviously, if you really do it well, this is a significant um, investment, and mm -hmm. you need resources for this. Um, and if you are 
if you are not really clear on why you're doing this, who it is for, what you want to get out of, uh, and so on, it can very easily uh, lead to a significant drain of your resources. And then probably you're going to face um, a situation where you may have to make a decision whether you continue or don't continue. And I think it would be particularly disappointing for any organization like ours to go into this direction, invest a significant amount of money, um, and then uh, basically pull out again because we've just wasted a significant amount of resources. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're right about having that that clarity that, that the discipline gives you, allows you to right, focus limited resources because uh, yeah. we, all, we all have limited resources. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so is there anything that's happening with, with learning or education um, now that's exciting to you? This doesn't necessarily have to be at ISTH. It could be in the broader landscape or at ISTH if you'd like. Yeah. Um, Frankly, I'm not really on the cutting edge of knowing what's what's out there and what's going on, and and there's so much that changes on an almost daily basis, and some clever people come up with some very innovative ideas. So, this is this is very exciting um, overall, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to follow every every trend uh, and so on. I think that the most exciting thing for me is to see how learning where education is just becoming more widely available and and how uh, populations that may not have had access to um, a a learning environment now have new ways to become uh, involved with maybe a global community and and have access to information and and share um, maybe electronically with others. Now, uh, even in this country, but also in in many places around the world, this is still a privilege in, in, in some cases and in many cases so we shouldn't take that for granted um but other than that, technology obviously is, is huge and there are many new, very cool ways to engage um, learners and reshape education. There's a whole science behind uh, uh, how to best educate and learn. Um, so that's exciting. Um, and w- when anybody who watched uh, Apple's presentation yesterday, again, with new lab- tablets and, mm-hmm. and, and other devices, I mean, this is all extremely cool. However, I think it shouldn't necessarily distract from the core um, the, the core questions again. Why are we doing this? Who are we doing this for? And at the end, what is the outcome we want to see? What's the best impact this may have? And sometimes a, a very personal interaction, a discussion with somebody may actually give you uh, much more education and you learn much more than uh, watching a fancy uh, video or even gamification um, on, your, um, on your tablet. Right, right. No, I agree that I think it's, you know, these are all tools, you know, these are, yeah. or these are medium and we get to use different ones at different times. I don't think one is inherently better or, yeah, or yeah. more valuable. And and frankly, there's also, I mean, we, we deal with this on a constant basis as a truly international organization. So we, we not only have different types of members in our organization in terms of whether you're a scientist or a physician or um, a hematologist or a cardiologist or a nurse, but we're now talking about um, different parts of the world that have different access to um, to knowledge and to certain treatments. And then there's this little thing called language uh, that uh, and culture that, that may or may not um, be, uh, you know, lend itself to certain types of education and learning. Right, right. Right, no, as an international organization, it does seem like, you, right, you have even higher barriers because you have um, different audiences, right, coming from different cultural contexts. And Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and part of what your comments have touched on just now is, you know, you've talked about, um, you know, some of the things that have changed in terms of, you know, technology, you know, access to the internet and things that have, you know, just broadly become more uh, prevalent. And I think as a result of that, you know, people have access to more information, they have more choices. And so in some ways, I think that creates, uh, you know, increased competition for um, associations. And so I guess I just wanted to ask a question, you know, are, you know, is, I, is ISTH feeling any, any threat from, you know, competitive or alternative um, sources of, of, of learning? Is, is that something that you've heard from members or, or that you're, you're sensing that, okay, they, they have other choices? Yeah, absolutely. And, and personally, I actually, uh, I like it because it really brings um, a, a competitive situation. Ultimately, the, the, the ultimate goal needs to, needs to be that, that our field advances and whoever has the best uh, tools to make that happen, the best networks, the, the best education um, will succeed. And um, so it keeps us on our toes and it makes us think about how we can do things maybe differently or better. So all of that is, um, I think, extremely extremely positive um sometimes obviously you start competing with with entities that have access to much greater resources Mm -hmm. um and that might make things a little bit more difficult sometimes but there's one element that i think isth has and many other organizations have we have an enormous amount of credibility and and that counts for a lot I think we are challenged and we should be challenged um, to look at how we make decisions in a more strategic way, how we can make them quicker, how we can define goals better, uh, how we measure results better, um, and how we turn all of this, um, as well as new ideas and, and obviously the needs of the community, into new solutions. And the more efficient and effective we are in doing this, the more successful we will be. But frankly, I mean, I see it very selfishly from an ISTH point of view. We we want to be that that go-to organization, um, but if somebody does a better job than we do, um, you know, we cannot hold the field back just because we we haven't gotten our act together. Not to say that we haven't gotten our act together, <laughs> but but um, so competition is good. Yeah, no, I, well, and I like that perspective that you know you take competition not as a threat but as an opportunity to help you you know f- focus and and be even better at what you do put out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you come across some um, potential solutions to sort of that, the, the competition? I mean, have you explored collaborations with, with other organizations, whether that might be corporations or academia, or are there other solutions that, that you've tried or that you see as something you'd like to try? Yeah, we have we have actually several collaborations with um, sister organizations, and and I think that works very well, and is actually frankly still underused, not just for us, but also many other organizations where we are all working with limited resources. So why not try to work together, whether it's um, offering research grants or um, uh, actually uh, combining our e-learning activities where we can actually not duplicate each other, but actually complement each other and tap into each other's communities. So we are we are exploring this actually, and we've, we've explored it actually quite successfully and done it quite successfully with related organizations. Um, corporations 
academia, there are some models. I think we haven't really done that too much, although obviously academia is part of what we do in, in everything because many member, many of our members in our community are in academia. Um, but there are probably also ways to, to collaborate there more. Corporations, in our case, that would be um, at least the, 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 the most, the closest one would be our uh, partners in the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical, biopharmaceutical, or device or diagnostics field. And there are ways to collaborate. I, we've done it successfully, but there's obviously always an increasingly through to regulations and and mm. uh, pharma codes and so on. There's always a hands-off approach, which I think is important to keep. Um, but um, here again, there are, I mean, many of these corporations are looking towards our organization because we provide a level of credibility. Um, and if you find the right model to work together, then um, it, it can be actually very uh, positive, and that goes beyond just hey, please give us uh, fifty thousand to to fund the course. But uh, um, it's uh, maybe a platform is being shared or is being provided, or um, uh, there's help in in distributing um, uh, the the content and bringing more people to an organization. So um, as long as the goals are aligned and very clear in the beginning, I think there are there are many good opportunities. Um, but I, I truly think that. Both we as as our society, but the, the association world in in general has probably still a, a bit of an opportunity there in in looking at collaborations. Yeah, well, great. I mean, that's good to hear that you've had some successes and that you're still thinking about other ways to 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 mine the the collaborations. Yes. So, you know, what do you think associations and their leaders need to do to ensure that? that associations continue to play a strong leadership role in, in lifelong learning. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this before a little bit. I think it is, we are really, really challenged to look at this much more strategically um, and and take a bigger view of what the community needs, uh, even beyond just the members. Uh, frankly, when I look at some of our educational, uh, educational activities, we have more non-members join um, our educational activities than than members. Right. Um, and, and we have a much larger non-member community that is engaged with the society. And frankly, I don't necessarily... Uh, I mean, I want them as members, but the most important thing I believe for us as organizations is to to know who uh, our community is and be able to reach it, uh, whether they're members or not. But we are, I think, we are we are really challenged to think much more strategically, uh, really look at the needs, uh, really look uh, at who are we trying to reach and why are we trying to 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 do this, uh, measure the results, learn from that, um, and ultimately find the. The, the right solutions and if we do that which is a, a very normal business approach if you think about it um, combine that with the credibility that an organization like ours has and I think we should be in pretty good shape um, some of our governance uh, uh, functions may have to be looked at as well and, and see how quickly we can move and how quickly we can react and mm -hmm. ideally be proactive about certain things rather than react um, but that's kind of inherent in I think the model of an association that we might move a little bit slower than, than um, uh, corporations um, but hey again it, it helps us I think be more impactful and that's that's important right and so now on a more personal level you know how do you think about your own lifelong learning how do you keep learning and, and growing your knowledge and skills and, and perspective yeah. uh, I learn a lot on the job um, on a daily basis. I learn from my my uh, team here at ISTH. I learn from our 
from our partners, I learned from our leadership. Um, a lot is, as you indicated before, and when you described it, you know, learning is 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 so much more than the formal aspect um, of it. It's the networking, it's the exchange, it's the it's it's getting ideas, being being challenged, and and so on. So I that that is huge for me. And once I I, I get kind of uh, interested in an area, then I seek the maybe the more formal educational avenues, uh, and that may go from uh, the more traditional life interactions. In, at a congress or workshop to um, online uh, uh, courses. I'm, I'm more and more intrigued by, uh, I mentioned this for, uh, before, gamification mm. uh, on how you can really make things a lot more interactive and, and uh, plays out in case scenarios and so on. And I think particularly in the medical field, you can do um, uh, quite a bit with that. Um, but uh, I think that's um, uh, it's it's kind of a mix. The social aspect is tremendously important, and as much as I see technology play more and more of a role, and frankly, all of us are are pressed for time and resources, and cannot always travel around the world to attend a, uh, an interesting um, conference, for example. Um, so, if you have the opportunity to do it at your choosing uh, in in an environment uh, uh, that that is convenient for you, that only enhances uh, um, what you can do. Well, great. So it sounds like a real mix of formal and informal and, uh, and, and just a lot of uh, hands-on learning, which is, is great. We know how effective that can be. And, you know, curiosity. I think curiosity is something that is, that is critical. I mean, if you're not curious, you will, we, you will hardly learn. Uh, and, and it's, as I said, a lot is not like I'm not necessarily looking to learn, but I just, you know, you're in a situation, you start to, you know, absorb it and, and, you try to connect the dots. I think that's the fun part. No, I think you're right. There's, there's, it's not always clear necessarily exactly how something you're doing is going to translate into an answer to something down the road, but very often it does. It's, and it's just because I think that fundamental underlying curiosity that, that keeps your eyes and ears open, and then at some point you start connecting the dot, dots, as you yeah, said. exactly. So, you know, just to wrap up here at the end, Tom, you know, what are the best places for people to find out a little bit more about ISTH? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, so, so the best way to find out about this and the easiest way is, is you go to our website, www.isth.org, and you will get hopefully a pretty good uh, view uh, of our organization, what we do, our various programs and so on. And we also have an ISTH Academy um, that, that that is really focused. It's kind of our, our learning portal, and that's very exciting. Um, I do. I would like though to take the opportunity to uh, make you and, and also the listeners aware of a very very important public awareness uh, campaign that that our society has launched um, only last year, and that we are extremely proud of. And that is World Thrombosis Day. And with World Thrombosis Day, which is held actually every year on October the thirteenth, um, so it's actually just coming up in a month from now, um, we want to raise global awareness of thrombosis, which is, is uh, potentially deadly blood clots. Um, and uh, what we want to do here is, is uh, raise awareness about the causes, the risk factors, signs and symptoms, evidence-based uh, prevention and treatment. Um, 
if you imagine that worldwide one in four people actually die from causes related from, uh, to thrombosis, wow. this is a, a really very serious health issue. And we're, yeah. we're focusing on, on venous thromboembolism and particularly hospital-associated VTE uh, this year. And there's an enormous amount of um, uh, information that, that we should be knowing, particularly when we go into certain uh, uh, situations. And um, so I hope uh, everybody's going to take the opportunity, go to www.worldthrombosisday.org, become involved in, um, in, in the global campaign. Um, I, I bet you if you start uh, asking around in your, among your family and friends, unfortunately somebody has had um, uh, some sort uh, of, of a problem with a blood clot and hopefully they're still alive, um, but it's highly preventable in many cases and therefore uh, um, uh, we hope that our campaign really helps in, in, in saving literally millions of lives. Wow, yeah, no, that sounds great. And so you had just the second annual this year then on October yeah. 13th. Well, great. Okay. Exactly. Look, look out for us. We have uh, over 200 uh, partner organizations in almost 80 countries by now working with us and trying to raise awareness in their local communities. And uh, as I said, this, is, um, this can hit very close to home very quickly. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you very much for your time for speaking with me today, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So that wraps up our interview with Tom Reiser. And if you would like to get some show notes for this episode, which includes uh, you know play-by-play and also some, some resources to go along with the actual audio, you can go to leadinglearning.com slash episode seven. And as always, and if you've been listening for a while, you know we're going to ask you this. While you're there, please subscribe to the podcast if you're getting value out of it. We like to see that the people are actually connecting and listening week in and week out, and subscribing is one of the main ways you can do that. And this is where we will also repeat our plea to uh, take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. You can go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We really appreciate ratings. It does make a difference in helping others to find the podcast. And definitely share the podcast. If you need to walk outside right now and just shout it around a bit, you can do that. But a much easier way is just to go to leadinglearning.com slash share, and that will magically populate a tweet for you to send out to your legions of followers. And if, if tweeting isn't your thing, you can take the same text that we use there and put it into LinkedIn, put it into Facebook, whatever your network of preference is. But please help spread the word. So thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey.